Side Moms, I'm your host, Wendy Sparks. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Jennifer Ivey, the mother of Royale Ivey. Royale played in the NBA for 10 years, and he is now currently a coach with the Brooklyn Nets. So let's bring Jennifer on the show. So Jennifer, give us the background story about Royale. Talk about his childhood and take us into when he started playing basketball. All right. Well, Royale was born in Harlem, New York. So he likes to say he's from Harlem, which is true. And uh, we lived in a brownstone in Harlem. And I thought that was where we were going to stay. And then all of a sudden, my mother said, we're moving to Massachusetts. And my father didn't want to sell the house. So she, they offered the house I'm in now. And it's the house we grew, I grew up in, my sister and I. So Royale came to Hollis at eight. And he went to PS 118. And in the fifth grade, his teacher came, Ms. Phelps came and said, you know, my church is starting a basketball team, a Lutheran church. And the Lutheran League in New York City and Long Island, mm -hmm. they have quite a great league, the Lutheran church. So she said, she asked a couple of her fifth grade boys. So Royale was 10 in the fifth grade because his birthday is late. So, you know, so anyhow, uh, he joined Resurrection, Resurrection Lutheran team. Okay. And that began his official organized basketball career. Um, he also at the same time played Little League so I was driving also to the Little League games. Really, his dad handled the basketball, and I was doing Little League. Because I have to tell you, Wendy, I know nothing about basketball. I come <laughs> from a baseball family. Wow. And so basketball, to me, was really not, not my thing. It was my husband's thing. So Royale started playing uh, uh, basketball for uh, Lutheran uh, Resurrection. Mm -hmm. And then... Uh, he started uh, trying out with his, his um, you know, New York City is odd. For, for a city that has so many schools, their athletic programs are terrible, really. Like there's no football in New York City to say of. And they were known one time for swimming and basketball was is the other sport, but um, there's no like JV teams, you know, they don't have that kind of uh, setup. You, when you try out, you're on the varsity team, that's it. So um, Royale in junior high school tried out and he has an interesting story. He was cut, you know? And so his father kind of said to him, you know, you have to figure out a way that you can stay, you know? Right. So that was the beginning of his defensive plays uh, and the idea of being a defensive player. So uh, Royale was cut from his junior high school varsity team. And he played with some local coaches uh, here and there. 
their AAU teams, my husband would take them and he would try out and they would like say, okay, well, not this year, whatever. So he didn't have a lot of uh, talent in the beginning. He wasn't talented, but he did have a lot of focus and um, drive. Mm -hmm. So when he got to um, high school, he didn't have a des we didn't have a designated high school. In New York City, you're zoned for everything. And Hollis was not zoned for any high school. So we went to a high school fair. I was trying to get him into the best academic school possible, which was um, Cardoza High School. Right. And they had two programs that you could come in, law and science. And Royale didn't have any aptitude for law or science. So the guidance counselor that was at the fair said, um, Miss, you know, we also have the number two dance program in the city. And they pretty much take any boy that tries out for the dance <laughs> program. And so she said, that's a way you could get into the school. So we came back. We talked about going in Cardoza through the dance program and he had to audition because it was a second, I don't know if you, you heard of the, um, the uh, high school fame, yes. uh, music, and, yep. yeah, music and art. No, it wasn't music, um, fame is, I forget the high school. But anyhow, Cardoza High School has the second best dance program in the city. And what people have to know about New York City, it is so competitive. There are over a thousand high schools in New York City. So when you go into a program that you have to uh, compete to get in, there's so many children trying to get into that particular school. So back it up, back it up, back it up. He's, he's what, 14 years old, trying to get into Cardoza High School, Benjamin Cardoza, which has a top ranking academic standard. Yeah. And uh, my sister who was in theater came over to my house and helped him choreograph his dance to get in. <laughs> it was Michael Jackson, something or other. And my sister said uh, to him, you know, you have to have attitude. If you mess up, just keep going. So I, the day of the audition, I'm all excited. I'm talking to him. And I said, you know, Royale, there's not going to be that many boys participating. And there weren't. Maybe there were five boys on that stage with him. They threw all the mothers out of the auditorium. So I'm in the back in the hallway looking through a little, <laughs> a little peephole. And I watch him audition. He, he can dance. So he, he did all right. And then you have to dance with a group where they show you a routine. Mm -hmm. And this is what my sister said. Well, if everybody's on their right foot, you make sure when you stop, you're on your right foot. If everybody's on their left foot, you make sure. So fast forward, he got into the dance program at Cardoza High School. So the deal was after his first semester, he could transfer into the regular gym class. So he's in the program. It's around January when the semester changes. I said, Royale, you're gonna you know, go into the gym program? 
He says, no, Ma, I sit with 60 girls each day. I love it. <laughs> That's the best. <laughs> so he danced four years in this competitive dance program in Cardoza High School. And he got into the basketball because one of his friends said, hey, Roy, you should try out for the team. And he did. And he got in. And the coach later on said he looked at his shoe size because he wasn't really all that tall. He grew, you know, yeah. and he had these big old size, you know, 14 shoes. And because he was in the dance program, I do really believe that being four years in a rigorous dance program, and the only thing he said he would not do is put on tights and do ballet, but he did jazz, <laughs> tap, modern, whatever. And I think that gave him uh, a lot of um, uh, a, a lot of advantage in terms of his athletic career. Of course, that fancy footwork probably helped him on the court, eh? <laughs> right. You know. So, so men, not many people know that he's he was a uh, trained dancer, actually. So, wow, that's actually awesome. I didn't know that he was a dancer. <laughs> yeah, nobody, you know, there were a couple of articles that came out, you know, that mm -hmm. local that found out that he was in the dance program mm -hmm, in high school. And then, of course, his Cardoza team in 1999 won uh, the city champs, yes. PSAL. And in Madison Square Gardens, and that was very exciting. And he was uh, voted the um, MVP. And then later on, he went to Blair Academy in New Jersey. Yes. Now, that's another crazy story. So I'm a mom. He didn't have a lot of, you know, um, he didn't have a lot of attention at the end of his high school career either, like in terms of colleges uh, recruiting him. Mm -hmm. So, and I didn't know D1 from D3, from D7, from D8. I just wanted him to get a good academic mm -hmm. and possibly an athletic scholarship, you know. Uh, the MBA was n not in our vocabulary at all, anywhere. And so um, my husband says, you know, the schools, he, he almost went to Maris, um, um, college, university. And my husband said to me, well, those aren't really, those are D1 schools, but they're not high-end D1 schools. I didn't know anything about that. I was looking at, oh, it has good academic program. You know, uh, he can get a good education. And so <laughs> Rod said, my husband says, no, we're going to try a year of PG. I said, what's PG? Yeah. He says postgraduate. Oh, postgraduate, yes. And I learned a lot by Royale going to Blair. I'm an educator, mm -hmm. and I learned something about schools that you pay for and what they do for your, your child mm -hmm. as opposed to the public school education where, you know, I'm a product of, I'm the fourth generation school teacher in my family. Right. So, um we sat on the couch in the living room and we were talking about going to this postgraduate um, education at Blair Academy. 
And I was kind of like, why should he go there? He's graduated from high school. He has some, some colleges are, you know, offering him scholarships, you know, let him go forward. And my husband says, no, I think he can do better than these mid-division D1 schools. Right. So he ended up at Blair Academy. Did you attend any of his high school games? Oh, yeah. Quite a few. But don't ask me what happened because, like I said, I was there for support. But, uh, yeah, I I went to, uh, I would say, almost all his games locally. Mm -hmm. And when did he start getting attention from, like, universities? He really didn't get attention until he went to um, Blair Academy. And even the way he got into the University of Texas was uh, because uh, someone, another player uh, decided not to take a scholarship at the last minute. Mm -hmm. And the assistant coach noticed Royale playing somewhere and told Rick Barnes, uh, that was the UT uh, uh, coach at the time, that he saw this kid, he was good, blah, blah, blah. And they came and offered him a scholarship. Um, this was after he had gone to Blair Academy. Uh, the Blair exposure, I think, was more of a well-roundedness exposure being in that kind of environment, a prep school environment. Uh, Royale said later on, it helped him in, in dealing with a, a diverse uh, audience because it was a predominantly white institution mm-hmm. and affluent white institution. So he was hanging out with a whole different crowd in the sense from his predominantly black crowd in Hollis here in Queens. And so he, got a well-roundedness. Also, uh, coming at Blair, Luau Dang attended Blair, and Charlie Valena Weva attended Blair, and they were considered Blair's foundation for their, uh, like, boosting their basketball program. So, um, a couple of years ago, they honored Royale and, and Charlie and Luau by you know, putting them in their Blair Academy Hall of Fame. So his experience in his postgraduate year at Blair was uh, beneficial to him in terms of making him a more well-rounded student and person. So um, that was the experience. But how he got to UT was, uh, I I kind of call him the, the, the little engine that could because he always was put in places as an afterthought, not that he was never the main attraction. Right. So they came uh, to our house, you know, coaches come and, and they give you the spiel. And Rick Barnes was impressed because I said, how many white ball players do you have on your team? And he said, Mrs. Ivy, why would you ask me that? I said, because there's different information that um, transpires between different cultures. And I said, uh, so I asked him that. I asked him how many players actually graduated with degrees, 
you know. Um, That's and, the teacher in you that asked that, eh? Oh yeah, uh huh. And my and still my focus then was to get my son the best academic um, education that he could get. Right. So um, he took the scholarship. He went down to Texas, and he called me up and he said, "Ma, I love it down here. I love it. I know you wanted me to go closer." Like uh, Providence, Rhode Island offered him a scholarship. Some other uh, Boston College offered him a scholarship. And uh, one thing I promised myself, I wanted to go to Howard University and my mother said no. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, I promised myself that wherever my children wanted to go to school, I would make sure that they had that opportunity. So I said, well, Texas is a long way, but if you know, you think it's a fit for you, you know, my blessing. So he went to te Texas. So talk about what you remember about him being a student and playing basketball there. Well, my one regret, Wendy, I was still working and we didn't go to that many games, his college games. We, you know, I can count them on my hands how many games that I attended. His dad attended more, but... Same here. And for that, I understand what you're saying, because I was the same situation too, right? My son was playing in Vegas, and I couldn't go all the time either. Here it, be, right. it, was, it was expensive to go all the time, and I also had my youngest son too that I had to stay home and look after. He had right. school, I had to work. I mean, so I completely and, and understand the sacrifices as a mother, right? You just hope that it's a, right. a channel that you can catch. And, and in Canada... Vegas, UNLV was not no channel that we had. Right, that's really a long journey, you know, and it seemed like, you know, from New York to Texas was a long journey. Yeah. Uh, one year, um, and this is how naive I was as a mom. I remember saying to Rick Barnes, I said, well, at least I'll get to see him like during the holidays. And he looked at me like, what? <laughs> during the holidays? Like, yeah, I said like, he says, well, we play and you know, those are big time Absolutely. playing arenas. And I said, oh, okay. And then one, his first, no, his second Christmas, first Christmas he spent down in Texas with a family. The second Christmas, and my sister cursed me out. She said, I said, well, he only had a day. You know, he, he only had a day. He had come up for a day and then he had to go back and play the next day or something like that. So my sister said to me, and she's my older sister, she says, we're in the 21st century now. There's something called the plane. He can get on the plane and get off the plane and get back in time. Right. And it was just kind of not in my head that that, that could happen, you know? Yeah. So the, that's what we did the next, the next Christmas. And we spent Christmas, my family is up in Massachusetts and New England. So I'm in Rhode Island. We go get him from the airport. You know, he spends like Christmas day and then Rod puts him on a plane to go back to Texas like that night or something. So, you know, um, these are the things that I was totally not prepared for, not aware of, you know, anything about what the basketball season. And I'm gonna tell you something crazier. I said, Royale, how do they get you so fast from one place to the other? How do you get back in time for, um, you know, like school the next day? 
He says, Mom, we're on a charter plane. Wendy, I'm telling you, I was so not into this basketball. I thought they flew commercially. I don't know how they got there. You know, I knew they couldn't take a bus from Texas to Utah, but <laughs> I knew they got a plane. But I said, wow, you you know, so um, that was something. And then the other thing I learned when he, um, so his Texas career was fabulous. They went to the final four. I'll tell you how stupid I was again. Rod says, we're going to Louisiana, final four, blah, 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 was in New Orleans. I said, Rod, I, I was a, a coach. I, I coached teachers in school, right? Mm -hmm. I, I had a big something. And I said, I can't go. I have a big whatever, whatever. I'll go next year. And Rod looks, <laughs> looks at me and says, Jennifer, there might not be a next year. You go with it, you know, to get to that level. I had no, I had no idea. I had no idea. So, you know, we pack up and we go to New Orleans to the final four. And uh, they didn't win. Syracuse beat them. But that was an experience that I realized not everybody gets to have. That's right. You know, so. <laughs> so at this point. That's me as a courtside mom. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm quite sure it's uh, <laughs> hasn't been heard before. A lot of things that you're saying is very common with a lot of moms or just a lot of parents. Not everybody understands the, the season, you know, or, or how our kids play or when they play. At the beginning, I, for my son, when he went to Pittsburgh and then later transferred to UNLV, for me, I was so happy that he was on a team that I never thought about Christmas and holidays until the time came. And I actually was like, wait, this is the first time you're not going to be home for Christmas. I was like, I don't think so. So I actually went to Vegas for Christmas. And it was so, it was like night and day for me. I'm so used to Christmas, you know what I mean? You have snow banks and yeah, everything. Vegas is, is well, that's it. We were barbecuing on Christmas Day, but it was fabulous, though. <laughs> it was something different. So you don't realize a lot of these things, like you're saying as a parent, that your child is going to be anywhere or how they get there. I never thought about how they got to game to game either I never asked until later on I was just like how was your game how did you guys do and I would move on I never thought to ask wait a minute like <laughs> how did they get yeah, from how did you get from Wisconsin to yeah. wherever never asked never cared I was just so happy that he actually played and had that opportunity that I just moved on and only later on I asked I'm like wait a minute and was only oh no for Kevin was only because one day um, we were talking about paperwork because him being a Canadian citizen of course there's always paperwork that you had to do for him being permitted to travel. And that's how I was like, wait a minute, what do you need this for? And he's like, uh, for the plane. So, <laughs> so I understand exactly what you're saying. So with Royale, um, I mean, at this point now at, um, in Texas, um, were you convinced of the possibilities of him playing in the NBA? No, there was, we never talked NBA until his senior year. And, uh, Rod said to me that Royale was dropping out of school mm. to, to be eligible for the NBA. And I went crazy. Like, yeah. fourth year, you're dropping out of school? You, what, are you crazy? No. You, you, why do you have to do that? And, you know, Rod explained it to me. Thank God my husband had some information because I really didn't know anything. And um, 
there was a lot of frenzy around, you know, because he was he was on a pretty good team with a lot of good players. And uh, we were going through the airport, coming in, and we saw one of the kids in, in the airport, uh, James Thomas, and we said, where are you going? And he says, well, I'm going out to California. I have, I have a, uh, he had an agent, he had all this hype around him. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, what's that all about, you know? And uh, so Royale, um, in his senior year, um, uh, came out to be eligible for the draft. And uh, I was mad. I wasn't that excited because NBA, we never talked about NBA with him, even though he had a wonderful career at UT and he got a lot of notoriety and but my thing, to me, that was always a luck of the draw. It wasn't like something that we had prepared him for. My thing was uh, you were in school and you had the opportunity for uh, free education. That's right. What I was looking at. Well, there's no template or manual on how to raise a pro basketball player. So what resources did you and your husband have to answer the questions um, to take him to that next level? We, want, we didn't prepare for that next level, to be quite honest, be honest to you. Mm-hmm. You know, we did not. I think some of his preparation came from the rigorous AAU competition in New York City. You know, that helped him uh, realize there are a whole lot of other people around who play as well as you do, or if not better, in some certain instances. So, um, we did not really prepare him for um, that leap. And I'll tell you, the day of the draft, ask me where I was. Where were you, Jennifer? (laughs) (laughs) Well, Royale was in Texas. He decided to stay and he was in Texas, okay? And I was at my end of the term party for school in New York at the end of the term schools have big parties so I was at a party end of the term party one of the teachers had a app or something on his radio that was listening to the draft and then he says to me Jennifer they only they only broadcast the uh, first round picks so that he didn't come up as a first round pick And so I came home from a party. My youngest son, I had packed him off. He went to a prom, his prom. And my husband was home in the bed sleeping. And when I walked up, he said, Royale was drafted overall 37. I said, what does that mean? He says he was drafted. I said, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And Rod tells the story. One of his friends, Royale's friends, called him up to congratulate him, and he thought he was kidding. But what made him realize it was happening, for some crazy reason, the screen was frozen on his face, the television screen. And and Rod saw that, and he says, oh, my gosh, he was really drafted. So I said, so what does that mean? (laughs) You know, and so Rod says, well... 
The Hawks drafted him, but now he's going to have to make the team. So at that point, Royale didn't even have an agent or anything. So Rod called Rick Barnes and said, hey, you know of any agents that would be interested in my son? And he says, yeah. And he sent us to Keith Glass, God bless him. And uh, Keith signed him. And so I said, well, what are you going to do now? You're going to, you know, he said, Mrs. Ivy, I'm going to get him a contract and I'm going to get him some money. <laughs> and that's what he said. And so our Royale's journey into the NBA was almost like through the back door, the side door. Yeah. And I'm kind of glad it, we had that experience because I think it's made him very level-headed in terms of his career and how he sees himself. And then I used to say to him all the time that you're in the basketball entertainment industry. I said, and I used to tell him, and it's a meat market. I said, there's somebody on the bench next to you who wants to move you off the bench. That's right. And I said, there's always someone who's going to come in and do a little extra. So we had a conversation one time. I said, Royale, if you can make 10 years there, I said, you'll be doing an excellent job because I kept on asking Rod, what's the average player's time in the NBA? And he told me four years. I said, four years? So I said to him, I said, Royale, if you get 10 years, you're going to be 31 years old. Then what are you going to do? I said, it's a small window of time that you're a professional basketball player. So you got to make the best of it, but you have to have a plan coming out of it. Because when you come out of it, you're still a very young man. That's right. So um, he told me he wanted to be a principal. Uh, and I yoked him up and said he had to finish school because he left UT. And I was heartbroken to find out that he, he didn't even have enough credits as a senior. He was like a super duper junior. <laughs> <laughs> And he promised me, he said, Ma, I, I'm going to complete school. So, and he did. In the, yeah. When they had that lockout, he That's went right. back to school with, uh, with uh, TJ uh, uh, Ford, Ford. Yep. his best friend. And TJ completed a couple of years later, but Royale com completed his, his, um, his degree. And I was so proud of him because I said, if you want to coach, at a college level, you have to have a degree. Well, regardless, he needs his degree anyway, right? Which is always a good thing. It's always a good thing to have your degree yeah. anyway, because like you said, you know what I mean? They're only going to be a professional for so long. And after that, they need something to fall exactly. back on. So, And I said, too many of our people died for you to have the opportunity to have a degree. Absolutely. You know, so education is a key in my house. So, um, <laughs> So that's how he ended up being uh, playing with the Hawks. And we were all excited, you know, going to the games and being in the family rooms. Then I began to, then I began to rate the family rooms in his career. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs> wow. And that's where I would meet some of, you know, the other moms. Right. You that know. was my next question. 
So he played for 10 years. He played with the Hawks. He played um, with the Bucks, uh, 76ers, OKC. So since you had the opportunity of rating. <laughs> and overseas, he played overseas. Oh, yeah, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Oh, okay. I'm just talking about the family rooms. <laughs> oh, the best family room to me was Milwaukee. What, why did that one stand out versus any of the others? Um, they they were some of the family rooms are not too friendly. Oh. You know, uh, I don't know if you've had that experience, but there's sometimes there's a territorial kind of feeling in the family rooms. And for some reason in Milwaukee, it was it, it that's where we had the best seats too as family. Oh. <laughs> and they, I think they treated their uh, uh, their families of the players the best. That's the only team that at Christmas time I got a Christmas card from the owner and some cheese or something. But you know the owner is the owner of Coles. Um, he was an ex senator, and he also owns all the Coles uh, department stores. But they had the homiest feeling to me. You know, the most welcoming feeling in the family room. How did Royale adjust to the teams? Because he played for multiple teams, so was there one uh, team over another that he had a hard time adjusting with? Um, I think he's a pretty flexible kind of a person. You know, I think he takes after his mother. I can fit into a lot of places and 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 do okay. He did talk about the difference in the front offices. You know. Mm -hmm. But I also realized Royale is like a, uh, I don't know about your son, but they're almost, he's almost, it's almost like they're in a fraternity. They don't talk a lot of negativity around yeah. people, including their family, you know, but he did express that, you know, uh, I know he didn't like Philly's front office too much. Um, and uh, he said Oklahoma's, kind of front office was he says they were too too uh corporate for him you know like and uh so he did say there's a difference in I guess like everything else you know how how a owner or the, the corporation manages the team and manages uh yeah process of everything yeah so yeah. after going back to the Hawks, after three seasons, he was waived um, and signed with the Bucks. Was he ready for that change? You know, I think Royale, the, for him, is he wanted to go where he could play. Right. That's it. And I used to say to him, you know, I had a conversation with uh, a mother, and her son was much higher up on, I call it the totem pole, much higher up on the totem pole. In the first, he was a high pick back in the whatever, and he was coming off the bench and he was pouting. And I said, you better tell that boy that it is a business. You have to learn how to stay and be valuable <laughs> as part of the business because they will just, unless you're like the face of the team, and they're only, I heard, I don't know, I heard Stephen A talk about, you know, 
the top five players, unless you're up in that bracket somewhere, maybe the top 10, you're, it's, it's a meat market. The reality of it is it's a meat market. You, your attitude, whatever, they don't like you, you find yourself someplace else. So I said, you know, you have to, I feel each player has to figure out what it takes for them to stay and to play and to understand it's a business. And what Royale talks about now too is maturity because when, uh, you know, um, uh, the mothers met with Adam um, Silver, I was part of that group two years ago. And I called, I said, they're the boys in the bubble. I think we had a conversation, Wendy, about that. And, and, and they're immature, very rich boys in a bubble. And that can do a, something on your head anyhow, you know? And so you have this talent, you have a certain stardom, you have a certain uh, uh, inroad, you know, certain, you have certain exposure and there's a certain maturity that I think uh, you, you need to have in order to figure out your relevancy, especially, and Royale didn't have this, especially if you're a kid that from high school has been touted to be all that, quote, you know. And uh, one year we were privileged to be at the hundred, the top 100 uh, college and high school players in North Carolina, they have some kind of a camp um, in North Carolina. And Royale was coaching. That's when he decided he wanted to be a coach. So we went down there, we were invited to come and they had these different breakout rooms and uh, workshops for parents of the top 100 high school students. And I asked one of the coaches, well, how many of these, how many of these hundred kids are actually going to be in the NBA? And he said, five. Yeah. You know, I was watching an interview um, that Royal did, and he was saying that there's three type of players. You have the Vegas superstars, and then you have the role players, and then you have the bottom feeders. And he understood and still now understands what it is to be a player and how to make sure that you stay a player because you have the mega superstars that get that notoriety. They're going to get it just because. And then you have, you know, those role players that are just, you know what I mean, doing what they're told to do. And then you have the bottom feeders that are just doing what they can to stay in the league. Not the same, right? So he understands that, you know what I mean? So I just thought it was really, really good that, that there was a comprehension, you know what I mean, for him as a player that he got where he fit. But what was it like for you to help his emotions of being waived or traded from a team that you know he worked so hard to be a part of? I think my son understands it's a business. And if he, you know, that's part of the business. It looks like he played, I guess, the same four teams. Right. Within he his played, 10 years. I, yeah. Right. You know, um, and I don't know that he had such, you know, uh, I think when I talked to his agent, he, you know, his agent would say, well, we're going to, you know, get him on another team or so that was something that I think he realized early on that that would probably be 
the way he would be playing in the NBA. Right. You know. So and uh, OKC was the last team that he played for in the NBA, and then he right. had an offer in China, and then he went there and to then, play for a few months. So what was behind that decision? Um, I think uh, it was something that was offered to him, and I think it's also something that uh, vet players, you know, when they're at the end of their career, but Royale's decision was, he didn't want to do that. He wanted to try to uh, uh, make his career, begin his career as a coach. Right. So he right. came back to coach. Uh, at the time, it was the D League uh, for Oklahoma. And uh, this mom and I had this discussion. And she says, why is he doing that? There's no money in that. There's no... Uh, I said, well, he that's his career choice. He's looking to, you know, he wants to learn his craft as a coach. So that's where you, he was an assistant coach. And uh, he didn't want to do the overseas uh, bit, which can be kind of a hard bit because, you know, uh, from what I understand, it's hard to get your money overseas a lot of times, you know? Uh, yeah, my son played in two overseas teams. Okay, so you have that, you have that cap. Yeah, you know. It's not a cap and then Royale said... <laughs> Wendy, one time Royale sent me a picture of this big bowl and in the middle of the bowl looked like this hand was standing up. I said, Royale, what's that? He says, that's turtle soup. That's a fin of the turtle. I said, oh, okay. <laughs> and he said, they tried their best to give him like American type of food, you yeah. know, on this team. Yeah. But, you know, it, it was different. So he, he had that experience of playing overseas for about, I think, four or five months. And then he came back and he was a D-league coach. And that was a humbling experience because he said the, the D-league, now the G-league, is made up of all sorts of different players. Uh, he says some that are trying to get a 10-day contract. Yeah just so that they can say that they played in the NBA. Uh, you have uh, rookie guys that are sent down there that be uh, uh, honed a little bit more, you know? And he says they can kind of have an attitude, you know? And he says, there's all different players down there that you're expected to help uh, make better, you know? Well, so he returned back to Oklahoma, actually. He returned to the Oklahoma basketball organization. Um, mm -hmm. But like you said, this time as an assistant coach for their D-League team, um, the OKC Blue. And then later, right. that landed him a job um, for the Thunder. So in your opinion, what skill set do you think OKC saw that made him a candidate? Well, I have to say, and this is it, I said to him, Coaching is coaching. His mother was a coach of teachers, and there's certain skill sets that you need that are, I guess, uh, global. You know, uh, you have to have a certain way of assessing people, uh, and then you have to figure out a way to deliver whatever they need right. to improve their situation. So he's seen me prepare for like 25 years 
doing workshops with teachers and, right. you know, talking about things and around the dinner table or, you know. So I think in a way he, he, he has a natural ability where he understands what you have to do in order to help somebody become better, you know. Sure. Um, part of it is you sometimes you have to demonstrate, you know, be able to demonstrate some things to them. Uh, I know as a teacher coach, I got respect when I rolled my sleeves up and came into the classroom with the teachers and actually demonstrated. So I know he has an opportunity to do a lot of that. Right. And uh, um, I think the skills that he is getting is more important because he's saying that, you know, he's uh, all the coaches that he is surrounded by, you know, he studies them and, and, and takes away from them things that he needs to put in his, his, um, his shopping bag to oh, be a better, sure. better coach. So I think it's like, uh, an ongoing uh, journey for him. Mm -hmm. He's always with a book about improving something, some part of your life, whatever, so. Um, so he was then blessed to get the opportunity to move back home and be an assistant coach with the New York Knicks. So how was that for you, mom, to finally have him closer? <gasps> it was wonderful. Because Royale said to me one time, you know, Ma, I left home at 17 and came back, you know, for holidays and, you know, but I would see him a day or, you know, now Royale pops by all the time and it's just thrilling, you know, it's thrilling. He has a daughter, my grandbaby, he's able to see her. Um, he, he always tells me he has to get by more, but his schedule is now kind of a little crazy. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it's a blessing. Plus, Rod and I were thrilled because we can get on the Long Island Railroad, which is right near our house, and it goes right into the garden. We don't have to drive and pay $50 to park. <laughs> in Manhattan. So, you know, it, it, it was great being uh, there in the garden and uh, see him after the game and, you know, just have him close by. So, right. Um, well, now he's currently with the Brooklyn Nets where he's coaching under Steve Nash. And I'm a Brooklyn girl. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so he's coaching with the Nets where um, he's coaching under Steve Nash and he's back with Kevin Durant and James Harden with whom he played with back at OKC. So do you, I, I, I know you can't watch the games live, but do you ever watch them on TV? Like, do you watch him oh, coach yeah, on we TV? Watch we watch them all the time. And I have a pad over there. I'm always writing down my coaching points to him. <laughs> and he, he looks at them and laughs. But, you know, yes, we watch, we watch the games all the time. I know he's happy to be with his uh, OKC buddies there. He's in a different role, um, so that's unique. But uh, 
it's a wonderful opportunity for him. Um, he's had some, you know, great experiences and his dream is to be a head coach either at a college level or in the NBA. So of course. He's squeaking his way there and uh yeah. Well, you know, he's and, not just part of any coaching staff. He's part of the most watched team in all of basketball right now. The all those players are right there um and uh he's always kind of been in kind of in the limelight but kind of, you know, like to to win a city champ in New York City is a big deal. Then he went to the Final Four. That's a big deal. Like, and he had the opportunity to play with those guys uh, at the finals in my in Miami. Oh my gosh. Um, and and Miami, and that was a that's a big deal. I mean, they're players that play for years and never. Um, have any of those experiences. So working alongside Mike D'Antoni, Steve Nash, Amari Stoudemire, to name a few, all of whom were brought in to bring a championship to Brooklyn. This is pretty remarkable for Royale to be part of this amazing team. So how does he feel about that? Uh, you know, when it's, it's, sort of amazing. We don't talk a lot of basketball when he comes in. <laughs> so I, I would think, he, you know, it it is amazing for him. Uh, I know he's uh, very humbled by uh, his position now where he is, mm -hmm. surrounded mm -hmm. by people that he knows, which I think is, you know, great on a team, like to have players that you're coaching. But I know his role on on the coaching staff is he's kind of in charge of the young guys as he puts them you know mm -hmm. and uh um to have the opportunity but i'm i know he is thrilled to be there i know he knows it's an opportunity to learn uh and take away and add on to his repertoire and uh only time will tell if this team gels the way it should be. All that talent sometimes doesn't gel the way you think it's going to yeah. gel. So yeah. they're, they're trying to gel. I know that must be part of their conversation. Well, like, of course it is. Know, who's on first and what's on third? You know, when you have so much talent on the team and have coaching talent, you know, and have a Steve Nash who's like, you know, uh, he was a player. I, I always love the fact when a coach is, has been a player, player, you know, I think they bring a, a different insight. So you just said that you take notes. What are you coaching? I want to know. I want to, what do you write down on your paper? I'm dying to know what you tell Royale, what kind of notes you keep. Oh, wait a minute. It's here right now. Wait, there you wait, go. Yeah, wait, show wait. me. <laughs> <laughs> Kyrie needs to make more opportunities for others. You're the best. <laughs> Never mind the three point. You need to be in the paint. <laughs> Points in the paint. Um, eye movement, where you at? The, do you understand my coaching? Yeah, like, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. 
So Royale saw this, here it is, and he laughed hysterically. <laughs> but it was true. <laughs> and of course, you know, I said, you're a defensive player. I said, you need to give those boys, you know, they stand in, where's the defense? You know, but anyhow, those, it's funny you asked, that, that, that was my pad right there. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> oh, oh, you're amazing. Gosh. You know, you're not the only mom who does that, but it's fantastic. I just love it. I love it. I mean, I speak to my son all the time. Yeah, I know you do. Oh, yeah. You can't and, help it. Oh, of course you can. And, and as soon as he gets off the court, you know what I mean? I'm there. You know what I mean? And he'll, and when I say, I tell him all the, all the good stuff. You know what I mean? I tell him the good stuff and the bad stuff. And then sometimes when I don't say anything, he's like, uh, I'm waiting. He says, go ahead, give it to me. <laughs> and I do. <laughs> and I do I because he knows I'm honest and he knows it comes from love. He knows I'm just telling him, I'm just telling you what I see. You know what I mean? Like tonight you could have, or tonight, so you know what I mean? You weren't involved as much, or maybe you should be more aggressive or maybe, Ooh, you're too aggressive. Like I always tell him and he loves it. And then we just move on about our night. You know I mean? <laughs> Were you a ball player in school? I was. Yeah, see, I, I have no, none of those real insight skills, so I can't offer much of a critique. I've learned after, I don't know, 15 years, 20 years now, a little bit. You well, know. your coaching questions or your coaching critique is awesome, so keep it going. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure Royale would appreciate it. Every game, you should just keep them and always send it to him. I do. Yep, there you I, go. I, I, yeah. So in your opinion, is there a difference in Royale, the NBA player and Royale, the coach? Uh, yes. Uh, he slowed down quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, he's, uh, I think he's more attentive to certain details about everything. Um, he, he has said to me, he didn't realize, especially coaching the, the young guys, as he says, mm -hmm. how he says he didn't realize that he was that way also, you know, yeah. and with that, he realizes how much they have to grow and learn and that he's there to help them do that. So, yeah. So when you look back at Royale's journey, what words would you use to describe it? Um, amazing. He's had an amazing journey. He was, Love it. Uh, as his uh, manager said, uh, agent said, he wasn't even in this, some book that they have 150 names at the draft and Royale's name was not even in the book. Uh, just the way he got there has been amazing, unusual. And the fact that uh, he wants to be there uh, at another level is uh, amazing. Um, He's an amazing person, you know, uh, what he does in the community. We have had this clinic for what, 10 years where a hundred kids come for free every year. And we emphasize life skills, not so much basketball and emphasize something. I, 
that we noticed one time at the final four that, you know, the it's an industry with lots of different careers and often our community only knows the one uh, lens of dribbling the ball, yeah. but it's a career uh, station that is endless the amount of careers that you can have around sports entertainment. Oh, for sure. That's something that I think, you know, is amazing about Royale when we sat down and uh, designed this clinic. He said, I don't want to have a clinic like, you know, high school and that whole hoopla. There are a lot of those clinics. He says, I want to have a clinic that uh, shows the kids something else, you know, so that's what, you know, is amazing about him and even dance we have a dance contest and ironically one of the kids we offered a scholarship to the dance school in the neighborhood he ended up being a junior dancer for the nets so you never know exactly you know yeah so so before we get into the fun facts I want to know, do you think the Nets will win a championship this year? I mean, come on now. We got Royale on the team. We got your notes. <laughs> My notes. <laughs> I, hope so. I, I, hope, I hope they do because, uh, gee, that would be amazing. Uh, they have a chance, you know. They have a real chance well. to get there. They have the talent. You know, they have to gel. The talent has to gel a certain way. And I think it's gelling now. But ironically, they can beat, seemingly, they can beat all the the big teams. But when it comes to the teams that are sort of struggling, they don't beat them. So I don't know what that's all about. But <laughs> I think they do have a chance, yes. Well, let's that wait and awesome. see what happens. Absolutely would yeah, be awesome. Let's wait and see what awesome. happens. So let's get into some fun facts about Royale. I hope I know the facts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you'll know this one. What is that go-to dish that you make that he absolutely loves? Now, Wendy, I don't cook, so why are you asking me that? <laughs> I thought about that. Well, it used to be oxtails, but then he became a vegan, so... I cook, you know, if he comes in, I know he's coming. I cook uh, like uh, salmon or some fish, you know. Uh, he likes whitings. He likes he likes my fried uh, shrimp. Okay. Yeah. See, not bad. But I'm not. A, I'm not. I'm not. A, I'm not the cook. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Well, my sons think it's very funny. They're both six four, and they say, "Ma, you never cook." I said, "Well, how did you get so tall and big?" <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. What was one item as a child that he could not live without? His basketball. <laughs> that you know, that or Game Boy. Mm-hmm. They were game boyers. Yep. My yeah. son too was his, his PlayStation. Couldn't yeah. live without it. <laughs> yeah. Did you have a childhood nickname for him? And if you did, what was it? No. We just called him Roy for short, but really no nickname. Mm -mm. 
Now we want to ask some tips or advice for our listeners. What, mm. what tips would you give a mom who has to deal with a coaching decision that she does not agree with? We didn't get involved with the coaches and it, I, I, unless I'm not really understanding the que- question, we never really got involved with uh, coaching decisions. And I've heard other moms say how they're yelling from the stands and oh, no, we didn't really. Right. Well, hold on. Let me, let me give you a scenario. So we're sitting at a Nets game. Okay, you and I are sitting at a Nets game. And I don't know, Steve Nash makes a coaching decision and I lose my mind. What would you tell me to do? Because I don't agree with his decision. So I'm asking you, how would you tell? Like, what would you say to me? Like, you see me there pulling my hair out. What would you, what would you tell me? I would tell you to calm down. Because you're like yelling to the wind. <laughs> like unless <laughs> unless you see him after the game and say something to him, it's like wasted energy in the sense that uh, you know, what can you really do? Right. I did see something very strange one time at a game. A father standing, he was standing in in an area where his son could see him play. This was a, a, like one of the final games, Oklahoma. And I never, the father was coaching the son from the stand. And I never saw a professional player nodding his head at his father. <laughs> that was the only coaching decisions I ever saw that, you know. But if you're yelling at Steve Nash um, and pulling out your hair, what can you do? Uh, I I would just tell you to calm down and you know, uh, get another Pepsi. <laughs> well, just so Steve Nash knows that would never happen. Okay, <laughs> <So> <laughs> I was just using you as an example, Mr. Nash. Thank you very much. I love your coaching. Loved you playing back oh, in the day. Yeah, Nothing was, against you. you know, I was just I, using you. <laughs> I, I understand, Wendy, because I've heard other moms talk about what they told the coach, what they were going to tell the coach, and da, 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 da. And I don't have that um, perspective at all. You know, I, I don't, you know. Yeah. But it does happen. I don't happen. really see that. You see more of that to me in high school, you know, yeah. than at the, at the professional level. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I remember going to games and seeing people lose their minds and they're yeah. going to say this, and they're going to do this. And I used to laugh and say, okay, go ahead. I'll wait here. I'll watch. <laughs> and it's funny. And they it's, never got it's up. Kinda, it's crazy because I know Royale used to play, uh, what do you call a uh, little league? Mm-hmm. And he played that till he was 13. And the, the teams were, you know, all over Queens. And they had to cancel the all-star game because the parents were acting so crazy. Oh, see, that's not good. Sometimes you have parents that live vicariously through their kids, right? <laughs> parents were acting like insane. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's unnecessary. So what advice would you give to a player about how to deal with a tough teammate? Oh. 
what advice would I, I read that one too and said, what advice would I give to a player? Um, yeah, Royale came home and said, when he was an OKC and said, you know what, Kevin is just driving me nuts and I can't do anything to keep him happy. What would you tell him? Well, hmm, I would tell him this too shall pass. Uh, and that sometimes, you know, you can't, be everything for everybody. And uh, if somebody is working your nerves, sometimes you have to, you know, maybe stay six feet away, you know, Absolutely. from them so that it can pass. It is a fraternity of brothers. And sometimes brothers work their nerves on each other. That's natural. So uh, uh, my son has tends to be the class clown too. That's another side of Royale. So he will make a joke or something about something and try to, you know, uh, get you on a better, better note. Um, uh, if somebody was really annoyed, I was annoyed with them. I think I would just try to give them some space. Absolutely. That's the only thing you can do. Okay. And last question. If you could give only one piece of advice to another courtside mom, what would it be? I would say enjoy this time with your child. It's a very short period of time. Um, uh, be aware of all the opportunities that uh, your child has and the family too. I mean, I have to say it's been a ball being part of the NBA, traveling, going to games, meeting people, experiencing new things. Right. And um, not everybody has that opportunity, it's a real blessing and to just really enjoy the, the blessing. That is perfect advice, Jennifer. Thank you so much. I'm so happy that we got to spend this time together. Wow, this was awesome. It's, it's done, it's over. <laughs> what, you want more? <laughs> <laughs> you want more courtside moms? <laughs> Yeah, I want part two. Part two. Okay, okay. So no, we'll have to I have just... you back on at another time. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I'll do like a panel and I'll have you on you, and with a bunch of the moms. You do a great job, Wendy. Thank you so much. The whole purpose is to get us to talk about our stories. We want people to understand our stories. And Royale, I mean, he goes back you know what I mean, a couple of years, and now he's a coach. So to speak to your point that within that industry, there's more to just dribbling a ball. You know what I mean? Your son is a living example of that. So you should be very proud of him as everybody We is. are. Yeah. We, we are. We're very proud of him. And uh, I'm very proud that he saw an opportunity to take it further than just being on the court. Absolutely. And uh, I've often think that the corporation who's made so much money, they should offer them career opportunities. After. You know, that should be something that the business should offer you. 
you know, so. Well, you're very good at writing notes. Maybe. You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Wendy. <laughs> Jennifer, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. I love you. I love you too. This was awesome. And thank you for inviting me. Do it naturally. Whoa, whoa, whoa.